Donna. Here. Drew. Drew. Oh my God. Drew's missing. Drew's missing. <laughs> Let's do this. Hey, hey. to another titillating episode. Uncle and the Young Buck. Young are, Buck. Uh, yeah, Young Buck. We are without Drew today. Not really sure what's going on with him. No, we do know. He uh, unfortunately can't join us this week. But uh, what's up, Brandon? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you guys doing? I just said, guys, there's only one guys. guy here. What's up, dude? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm under the weather this week. We would have recorded last night, but uh, my work schedule, I I don't know. When you are when you travel, you, you have, you're exposed to everybody. And I think being cooped up in the airplane and shaking hands and doing trade shows, you just you don't know what you're exposed to. I'm surprised surprised I don't have Ebola or something. Yeah, AIDS is definitely coming for you eventually. Ouch. Ouch. Not funny. Not tough. Funny. Tough, tough. Sorry. Tough crowd here. Um <clears throat> yeah, actually there are some really disgusting people out here and a job like yours, interacting with people as much as you do, traveling as much as you do, I'm surprised, you know, that it seems like this is the first time from when we've been talking that you've been real sick for the first time in a while. So glad to hear your immune system's doing well. And I'm surprised that uh, the United States hasn't gotten the worst of you yet. Huh. Well, I don't know what the hell they, they did to me when I was in the Navy. So who knows? Oh, I might be immune to everything. You're a robot. You and Kawhi just rocking the robots. Hey, <laughs> did you see did you see that Kawhi and Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial? You know, I did not, and I'll be very, very honest. The NBA, I have, I right now, the last two years since LeBron left the Cavs, and I know that's going to sound like, you know, get off my lawn guy, but I, the NBA is not doing anything for me right now. So, no, uh, when it comes to the Kawhi and, and Arnold commercial, I have not seen it. I, I guess I, you're telling me I should go watch it? Oh, it's it's hilarious. It's actually not an NBA promotion. It's for the new Terminator coming out, which – I'm the last guy to speak to about that. I don't really know much about the series other than, you know, the classic comedic lines that people say <clears throat> and, yeah. uh, you know, the outfits they go as for Halloween. But no, it's it's really funny. Paul George is in it and I, I won't tell you much more, but definitely go watch it. I'm sure some of the people listening have have seen it. It is good. And Kawhi is a robot. That's pretty much as simple as it gets. That laugh. That's crazy. That laugh that he uh, that he had way back when. What was that? last year during uh, his introductory press conference for the Raptors, that thing's yeah. going to live on in, in, in the annals of NBA history forever, just for like, <clears throat> what's the most awkward guy in the NBA that can be an absolute star. Kawhi Leonard, insert the laugh. And so, he hey, played. I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm kind of curious, Brandon, you as a millennial or actually you're, you might, you're on the younger yep. set of the millennials, right? So when, you're almost what Gen, yeah, Gen Z, Z or whatever. I think. Gen I don't Z, identify yeah. with 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 my generation. I would rather identify with millennials, but then again, I don't really like that generation either. Well, I just in your generation, you in, can, in your generation, you can identify whatever the hell you want to identify as. So yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I <laughs> I identify as someone who doesn't have to go into work tomorrow. Which <laughs> oh, you rat bastard. I wish. Well, no, but I, let me get back to my question, though, is as somebody in that younger subset, I told you, you know, I, the, the NBA kind of is lost on me right now. And, you know, I, a part of that is absolutely because the Cavs are in tank mode. Yeah. Uh, I still watch with one eye, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not as intent as as I used to be when I was younger, even when LeBron was here. But uh, what's your take on the NBA right now? And, you know, do you share my same feelings where – you know, you're, you're kind of, it's, to me, it's blase. It's like, oh, okay, whatever the Cavs are playing. Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> I would say I probably stem from that, you know, same thought tree problem is so much of that hinders on the fact that the Cavs are absolute garbage right now. And, you know, they went from literally, you know, inches away from winning, you know, championships and, and being one of the top two, three teams in the NBA on a consistent basis to, absolute bottom of the map nobody cares no coverage no you know we're not on any national televised games it's 
there isn't as much fun and enjoyment about the sport currently in Cleveland, which, you know, as you guys know, that's where I live and that's, you know, the people that I'm hanging out with. So it's not being brought up as much, you know, among people at work. It's just, it doesn't have that same draw for obvious reasons, but then speaking to the league as a whole, I actually am more excited for this year than I have been in years past. I truly believe there is now an actual, uh, let's say, balance to the league and while that balance still probably hangs you know in only five or six teams at least there's not one two teams just guaranteed check them all the way to the nba finals as it was when the Cavs and warriors were playing i mean it was a guarantee that lebron was going to face off against curry and clay and you know it did for so many years in a row and while i was always enjoying that because you know my team was playing it i could certainly understand how stale that could get from somebody else's perspective and so i think the new People on new rosters, it creates a little bit of excitement for people. I'm a little bit excited um, just for the Battle of L.A. I don't like LeBron hardly as much as I used to, and I still have iffy feelings about all that. But, you know, I love Kawhi Leonard. I think he's, you know, he reminds me of Nick Chubb for for the NBA. He's just no emotion, goes in, gets his job done, shuts up, and, you know, moves on with his next day. And those are the type of players that, you know, I would like to have on my team. And that's why I love Nick Chubb so much. So I think it's yeah, going to be interesting here. Who, who do you kind of see? I mean, uh, you know, again, as loosely as I am admittedly following it this year, I think that the preseason favorite that at least, you know, the only team that I see as a favorite right now is the Houston Rockets with Harden and Westbrook now on the same team. I, I don't know how anybody – including LeBron's Lakers with Davis, uh, make it through Houston. Um, what's your take? What, what, what are your feelings? I definitely see the West stacked up even more so than it has been in the past, which is uh, you know tough if you're a team out there. Uh, I like the Rockets. I think they're – I think – the Rockets and both Los Angeles teams are going to be competing throughout the year for the top spot. <clears throat> and I wouldn't be surprised if any one of them won. My money would be on the Clippers just because I think Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard can guard every position on the court and they play so well, you know, on offense and defense that that's, that's going to be pretty tough. Whereas, you know, Westbrook and Harden don't have any, I know they have experience from years ago, but those two players were totally different back when they used to play. Harden was, you know, you know, a second option and Russ has even become more of a dominant one option. I'm very interested to see how those two you know, pieces <clears throat> come together because I, I don't really Russell Westbrook used to be my favorite player in the league and he's just kind of faded out because he's just not efficient and I know you you point to triple double you know triple doubles and you're like that's what efficiency is I when I watch Russell Westbrook play I look at him and say I don't think he is necessarily helping his team as much as other star players do he's there for big moments I just I would rather have one of the other 15 top NBA players than him he just doesn't well bringing it back to being a little more Cleveland centric I mean um what what are your what are your thoughts on the Cavs? I we know they're tanking. Yep. I mean, come on, yeah, guys, they're not absolutely. really doing anything. I mean, you got Garland, you got Sexton, you got Caleb, you got Tristan still, you got Larry Nance Jr. Um, and his new three point shot. I I'm not sold on anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Do you think that Tristan Thompson and or Kevin Love are moved before the trade deadline this year? Um, I, I could see Kevin getting moved. Uh, it's going to have to go to the right team at the right price. And the Cavs, while they haven't, you know, whatever, if they've admitted to, to trying to trade him, I don't think, you know, I don't think they've really admitted to that in the past, but I think they have looked to, to deal him to other teams that are looking to make a playoff run. I just don't think the market's great for him. I'm excited to, you know, see how Garland and Sexton develop. That's if you're a Cavs fan and you're, you're looking for one thing to kind of hold on to, it'd be enjoy, you know, some time with Kevin Love and having a guy who wants to be here, be here and be excited about the new and upcoming guys. You know, you got to look at players like Sexton and Garland and see how they're developing and take pride yeah. in that because <laughs> if you're checking for wins and losses, it's going to be, uh, you know, a sad season probably. But I mean, that's that's what they're trying to do. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to get better through the draft. It's yeah. not going to come by, you know, Sexton growing 10 inches and, and you know, being able to be a, a, a Kevin Durant or just something ridiculous that it's not possible. You just have to draft guys and, and have them develop. And hopefully Beeline seems like the kind of guy that can lead that kind of a change. We'll have to see. Uh, 
I'm very excited though to you know to see how Garland plays. I already <clears throat> I already bought a Garland jersey to be honest with you, which I know. Is oh, did you? Jumping the gun a little bit, but when they came out with those throwbacks, oh, those pretty black and blues are my absolute favorite throwback. They're my favorite. Those and the old Toronto Raptors Chris Boss jerseys. If you know which ones I'm talking about, yeah, the yeah I still I think we talked about them briefly the last podcast, and I still think they're hideous. I Drew, know what do you think? I love them. Oh wait oh, a second, yeah. Drew's not on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I so I, I'm 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 knowing that they're not going to be good, tempering my expectations, and I'm just excited to see some good plays out of out of the young guys, and that's where I'll leave it at there. Your your right, thoughts? So, well, I mean, I, I, again, following them loosely. Um, I'm a Cavs fan, but I, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just not excited right now about the NBA. They're, they're not garnering my attention like they used to. So I'm going to reserve any comments uh, just, you know, because I don't want to come off as fake and phony. I just yeah. I'm kind of on a Cavs hiatus. I will watch the occasional game. I will follow them. I will make sure I know what you know where they're at in the standings, but um, I'm not expecting big things, and and it's not the Cavs that I'm necessarily um, unfollowing per se. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just the league as a whole. I just yeah, it's just there's a there's just so much going on in the league that I I not that I don't agree with, but it, they have very much killed the joy of basketball for me. Uh, very much the same way that there was a stretch of time where, you know, like the Yankees kill the joy of baseball for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When when the Yankees can go and take whoever they want, and, you know, there's rumors right now. I know, and there's rumors right now that they're going to go hard and heavy. Every story you see out of the New York Times and the New York Post is Francisco Lindor is going to be a Yankee, and what what do the Yankees have to do to get him away from Cleveland, and what's the cost going to be? So, you know, it's kind of that, that same feeling for me with basketball right now. It's just kind of, you know, when your team is not one of the haves and you're one of the have-nots, it's just not a good feeling and it's not fun. Yeah. And growing up as a Cleveland fan, I mean, we've dealt with a lot of that crap. So, uh, of you know, of the teams, you know, sometimes there's, you know, of the three teams, there's always one team that kind of takes the back seat. For a while there it was – you know, the Browns, because the Cavs were amazing. And in the 90s, well, I would say it, you the know, Browns aren't even out of it yet. Well, I know, but <laughs> for a long time, you know, it was, you know, the Cavs were the team, right? Yeah. And so dog. all of our other teams took a back seat. And it's kind of the same thing right now. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, big on the Indians and I'm still a Browns fan, even though they, uh, you know, they, they piss me off more than they make <laughs> more me happy. Than um, you know, but, uh, you know, hey, the good thing is, though, is I, I do have a fourth team, and we should probably talk about them a little bit, and that's the Buckeyes. You know, we Ooh. have a huge game this weekend against Wisconsin. A Wisconsin How Badgers tough is team. that freaking Illinois loss? How, that sucks. Oh, this makes this no. game so less attractive for the national yeah, media. You know what? Yeah, for the national media, it does. But I don't give a crap about the national media. What I, What's going to happen here is, like their nickname, the Badgers, I think this is going to make – for an angry Wisconsin team at the shoe. I know. I don't I like that. <laughs> I, I don't like it either. You got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. And I I'm telling you, the, I think Wisconsin got caught in a classic trap game versus Illinois looking ahead to the Buckeyes because oh. Wisconsin right now to me, Wisconsin and Penn state are more of a rival to us than Michigan is. And I know that's blasphemy when you talk oh. about, the game, you know, look, the game is always going to be the game. I am always going to hate Michigan. We're not, yeah. you know, we're not, Yeah, you know, I'm not saying, oh, excuse me. I'm not saying that anything's different there with the rivalry, but when you look at Wisconsin competitiveness and you look at Penn state, those two teams have given us better games over the past decade than Michigan can even think about giving us. And I am really worried that a pissed off Wisconsin Badgers team coming into the shoe is going to be gunning for us. They, if they weren't already gunning for us, they are in this game because they're going to try to make up for that that loss against the Illini. Um, and you know, it's that was uh, I I was shocked. I mean, good for what Illinois. were they like thirty point underdogs or something like that? The oh, line was incredible. I think it was like twenty eight and a half. But oh I mean, my lord! For that kid to sit there and kick that field goal dead down the middle to win that game at the end. I mean that. Uh, I, oh, great I, for great for that Illinois. Kick and I, couldn't believe what I was seeing when Wisconsin just sat there and basically, you know, I don't want to say they rolled over, but they 
they did not play Wisconsin football. I mean, you're talking about a team that was in, you know, in lofty, you know, rankings for both offense and on defense. And Illinois came in and punched them in the mouth. I mean, the proverbial punch in the face, they, they got it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I, I'm. I am worried. Um, you know, Wisconsin dropped to 13, uh, rightfully so. Uh, yeah. You know, our Buckeyes moved up to three, rightfully so. I still think mm-hmm. they're the best team in the country. Uh, they're that. playing the most complete football of everybody. Um, you know, the, the, like I said, the the biggest test here in this game is going to be Wisconsin run, rushing uh, versus our rush defense. And can Jonathan Taylor get past our front line and our linebackers? Yeah. That's the part that I'm interested in seeing. Uh, Taylor's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be a first round pick. I know, I know, running backs don't go high anymore, but he is going to be one of those guys that is going to go high. Uh, mm-hmm. The team that gets him is going to have a fantastic back. Wisconsin backs are always solid NFL players. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to come down to. You know, one or two scores, and I think the Buckeyes are going to win. But I don't think this is going to be, you know, uh, a forty-two to twenty-one game or a, or a, you know, a fifty-two to thirty-five game. I think this is going to be in the realm of, you know, maybe Buckeyes have thirty-five. We're not going to score quite as many as we have over the past, you know, yeah, seven games. Um, and but I do think we can hold Wisconsin in check, and I think I think this game is going to be like a 35-21, type game. We're going to win by two scores. I'm 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 confident in that, but it's only because the Buckeyes are the most complete football team right now in the country, and I don't care that Alabama's number one. They they have a lot of weaknesses. Uh, Tua, it, you know, he's injured. And, Tua's and, shaking up. And and, yeah, and 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 I still don't see what everyone else sees in Tua, I just, there's something about his game. I don't like, um, you know, and again, when was the last Alabama quarterback that came out of Alabama and actually did anything? Um, what Joe, I mean, you could say the same about Ohio state quarterbacks. You, they, they are you, incredible college quarterbacks that don't transfer to the NFL. You can, you can. Um, and, and you know, LSU, I think is for real. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that, even though I was shocked they jumped up so high after the uh, after their game versus Florida, mm-hmm. I didn't expect them to jump up so much. I expected them to jump into the top four. I did not expect them to leapfrog everybody. Uh, they are a fantastic team. Joe Burrow, uh, Ohio State graduate, by the way. Uh, oh, Joe yeah. is my favorite right now for the Heisman. Uh, Our backups still- are better than everyone else's starters. I'm I mean, look, you, Cardell's triple. Cardell was third string, and then he was I, the best in the nation when he was slinging it. It's amazing to me, but I think the Buckeyes being three is okay. Um, you know, being the best team and being ranked three is not a bad thing. No, uh, but what they have to do is this weekend versus Wisconsin, they really have to show out. I think it will go a long way if they shut down Taylor. Um, if they hold Taylor to a pedestrian stat line, uh, pedestrian for Jonathan Taylor, like if they hold him to, you know, 90 yards and maybe a, a run, a, a rushing touchdown or, you know, just around a hundred yards. I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to be hard to stop. Um, I, but I, I just think the talent level that Ohio state has and how complete they're playing on offense, defense and special teams. I just don't see Wisconsin beating us. Uh, what do you think? I think it's a very favorable matchup for the Buckeyes the more I'm sitting down and thinking about it. One thing I don't like, and you already mentioned it, and I'll add to it a little bit, is I don't like facing good teams coming off of a loss. Rarely do good teams lose two games in a row. Wisconsin's coming off a tough loss, an embarrassing loss at that. They're coming out pissed off, as you mentioned. But, But on top of that, Buckeye players are sitting there thinking, well, these guys lost to Illinois. And they were, you know, 28 point favorites. It's not even going to be a question. We'll beat their butt. I don't want that to be the mindset. I don't think it'll be the mindset. I think Ryan Day's, you know, hopefully got these guys on the right page and, and mentally and making sure that everybody's staying focused, regardless of what the outcome was of the previous week. But that's something that's got to go, you know, got to be said. It's it's important to know that I am very, very interested. And I, and I agree with you, <clears throat> not meaning to take take a stance with all your points, but. I think, yeah, how we how we handle Jonathan Taylor is ultimately going to dictate the game. I think we've got a huge, huge advantage in the passing game. So if we're able to stop Taylor and, you know, have him put up average numbers, even if he hits over 100, they're not going to pass for, you know, 300 plus yards on us. I, I just don't see it happening. I don't think they have the athletes at receiver. I don't think their quarterback, you know, is as talented 
obviously as ours, but as talented as as he can be to to outperform the defense that we have. But, you know, one thing that I'd like to point back to is the Buckeyes have had some really interesting games over the past couple of years in which they bottle up absolute top tier running backs at an elite level. And you could say this year's rush defense is even better than in years past. Last year versus Saquon Barkley when he or was at two years ago or last year. We, last year we played them at Penn State and Saquon Barkley was, you know, everybody in the world. Saquon Barkley, he's you know, he was talked about probably even higher than Jonathan Taylor is this year in terms of the player that he was when we were facing him. And we bottled him up. He had one botched run in which they totally missed a holding call. But outside of that, I think we kept him under 60 yards. He was averaging, you know, three yards a carry. You know, you could go all the way back to to the last time we played, you know, Wisconsin. And in this, you know, high tier of an event was the Big Ten Championship. It must have been five years ago when we won the uh, championship. They had a, a back pretty well known named Melvin Gordon who we absolutely destroyed. And I'm not trying to make a, you know, a, a comparison to five years ago and say that that's how it's going to be this time. It's just interesting to see when the Buckeyes go against these elite running backs, which, you know, we get a decent amount of in, in, in the big 10. It seems like they seem to do a pretty good job of bottling those guys up and forcing, you know, them to pick on other parts of their offense. If, you know, if they have a quarterback who's up to the challenge and they're able to pass the ball, efficiently then if Taylor you know is able to run for four or five yards of carry putting him in third and short situations then well you be... just said it I mean yeah. you just said it I mean the the difference in this game is going to be the quarterback um I, I you know Fields is on our side Fields has been you know he is top three top four right now for the Heisman um I think uh, the things that are hurting Fields right now in the Heisman is the fact that we're blowing out teams and he's not in to close out these games so he's not padding his stats agreed uh, and the sec at, bias <laughs> yeah and, but if you look at the the stat lines uh he is having one hell of a year but the difference is going to be quarterback you know wisconsin's got jack Cohn and or cowan I, I don't know how you pronounce it i always screw it up um but he, they've got him and I, I you know when you look at the two if you had to take one which one's going to win you a ball game well everyone's going to say justin fields yeah and uh because wisconsin has to rely on taylor to win games on offense and i think that's where the folly is going to be in this game um and then when you put up <laughs> when you put our defense up against wisconsin even though they have some big boys on that offensive line no one is on par with chase young and so i i think offensively fields over Cohen, Cohen, Cowan, sorry. And then you've got Young swallowing up that offense. I just don't see it. Again, I see this game 35-24. Uh, it's going to be raucous in the shoe this weekend. Uh, there's going to be – I mean, it's it's going to be – It's going, going to be a fun environment, a- man. I mean, Ohio State hasn't had, you know, anybody of real, real caliber this year. I know Michigan State was barely ranked when they played them at the shoe, and I was – lucky enough to attend that game. And that was, you know, the blackout night and people were excited, but this is a real team. This Wisconsin team can play you on all fronts, offense and defense. They are very skilled at every position. Now I think we're more skilled than we should win this game. And that's why I think betters are favoring us, but you know, it's, it's one thing to, to, to say it beforehand and, and another to go out and do it. So it's going to be exciting. I'm very, very excited. I wish I really wish they would have um, flexed this game to uh, a, a later time. A noon start time just, isn't. Uh, yeah. You know, just here's a here's something just funny. Um, you know, the team rankings as far as strength of schedule. Yeah. When you look, Ohio State's strength of schedule is not that weak. According to TeamRankings.com, they have the twelfth hardest schedule in the country that right now. That they've played. They yeah, that's current right now. Strength of schedule. Or is that factor in future? Opponents. No, that, got that a is, string of games I think that, that is, I think that is current as of right now. Um, and, and, and obviously there's a, there is an obvious sec bias in this because the top four are Auburn, South Carolina, Texas, A&M and Florida. And then you've got Michigan, Michigan state, Notre Dame, USC, Oregon, Alabama, LSU. And then of course, Ohio state. But I mean, it's not that the Big Ten's bad because of the top 15, one, two, three, four, five of the top 15 are uh, Big Ten teams. So, I mean, it's not that the Big Ten is bad, guys. It's it's actually very good. But uh, I'd say it's as deep as it's ever been, really, personally, if I'm looking at it. I know 
Michigan State's defense is always incredible. Their offense needs to do some work, but Penn State's firing on all cylinders. Michigan's going to Michigan, which means they're going to be a good team above average, but still fail to beat the Buckeyes, but that's still competitive. And Wisconsin's, you know, playing their best football in, you know, in the last couple of years. So, you know, yeah, in Iowa and sprinklers in with Minnesota and Nebraska, if they ever figure it out. And you've got a pretty deep conference that I think is getting zero credit compared to the SEC when you've got teams, you know, as highly overrated as Florida was, as Auburn is, you know, they're decent football teams. But, you know, I personally think Penn State could beat the crap out of either of those teams. I think Wisconsin beats the doors off of those guys. I, I don't am. think they I, I mean, don't think they put up points on on defenses that are, you know, from the Big Ten nearly as much as they do at the SEC. The unfortunate thing is for us is that we have to win out um, because if we have one loss, uh, we lose and then still make the Big Ten championship game. Do you know who's leading the Big Ten West right now? Yeah, it's if Minnesota. They continue, it's not good. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's still out there. But they still have if to ha- face Wisconsin. Yeah, um, true, so if they, get a, if they get a loss well, before. The reason I bring it up. The reason I bring it up is, can you imagine if we're a one-loss Ohio State team going into the Big Ten Championship and we have to play Minnesota, we beat them for the Big Ten Championship, you know what the national media is automatically going to do. They're going to discount that just like they did the Northwestern game last year. They're going to say, ah, you didn't play anybody. And, and you know, it's just – I think we can sit here and laugh about because we know know. the real truth. But, no, it's true. That's the national media. It is the national media, but everybody plays nobody. I mean, it, it, I, it's not like Alabama doesn't schedule the Citadel. I mean, because they do. Um, the Citadel. They actually, I remember, was it two years ago? They actually scheduled um, Georgia State before they moved up from uh, up, up to FBS. They oh were still. Lord. Yeah, they, well, it, Citadel's they not FBS, NAIA. are they? No, I don't think so. But Georgia they State. They were losing at one point. I mean, come yeah. on, man. I think Georgia State was either the uh, still NEIA, I think, at the time, and they yes. scheduled them. It was ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, like, look, everyone talks about the Buckeyes scheduling. They played a good Cincinnati team. I mean, Cincinnati has been ranked this season. I think yeah. they are. I you think know, we underrated not... them when we played them. They've played fantastic football well, outside and... of every game that we've, you know, every game outside of the Bucks, they've played some really good football, and Fickle's got them See, looking pretty good. See, and when you talk about, you know, strength of schedule, something that the national people never take into account is that, you know, the Buckeyes always play in-state rivals. Mm-hmm. And like Alabama, the only in-state college that Alabama ever plays is Auburn. They have never once played Troy in their entire history, ever. Mm-hmm. And Troy is like, Troy is a major university. They're a not a top-tier program, but they are a good football team. Ohio State's played them before, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, I think you're correct, actually. So, you know, whereas, you know, Ohio State, it's, you know, it's not like we're scheduling bad teams. It's just we have, you know, we have other obligations to the state of Ohio. And, you know, outside of that, you know, who cares what anyone thinks? I don't know. It, it's it's a bunch of political garbage uh, all I know is I'm a Buckeye tried and true. I'm just happy as hell that Ryan Day has not fell off. Um, you know, he's kept the urban way. Um, you know, the recruiting's still strong. Yeah. The players seem to be, you know, reacting to him well. I think we've got a number two or number three recruiting class nationally for 2020 with some really big targets hit. The only thing that really concerns me about this Buckeye team, and knock on wood, knock on wood again, uh, <laughs> is that we do not – have anybody behind uh Justin no 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 we know it we don't say it we know it no wood just move on a guy who plays the position that we all know just move on it's not good because in recent years we've been extremely deep in that position thank you to the likes of JT Barrett when Braxton Miller went down thank you Cardale Jones thank you Dwayne Haskins when Barrett went down but we do not have that kind of backup standing in the wing here there's no hidden savior to my knowledge or a top prospect that i must have missed that's you know here to be that you know that savior that while while cardell wasn't playing at the time he was a hell of a player and i think people knew that he could play it's just he was stuck behind two incredible players and and, you know nowadays those kids just transfer because of how easy it is to get a waiver wherever you go so i think it's gonna be more and more difficult to try to field 
you know, quarterback rooms as deep as what we had the year we made that national championship run. So, you know, we got to be thankful for what we've got. But, you know, I think we both agree here. We're just going to kind of awkwardly nod and wave at it. Like, yep, we know we know exactly what the one weakness is. And we're just going to not talk about it because we don't want it to happen. Yep. So, well, hey, that's going to be an amazing game. 12 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, can't wait to watch it. Uh, we we all know it's going to be a great game. You know what else is going to be a great game this weekend? At least we hope so. Sunday, and Sunday, Sunday. Our... Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, that's uh, our Brownies versus Tom Brady and the Patriots. And, the you know, it's funny. How in the hell do the Patriots always seem to – I don't know. What's the word? Um, win? Well, other than win, no. What I was talking about is they seem to be like the Teflon Don, uh, or as they call Anthony Lima on 92.3, the fan, the slippery wizard. The slippery because, wizard. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy because anytime there's any controversy surrounding the Patriots, everyone outside gets ticked off. All the fans get pissed off about it. But the national media, they're like the national media darlings. Bill Belichick can do no wrong. Tom Brady can do no wrong. You know, this is funny coming alone, from a which it's, it's hilarious coming from a franchise who has been shrouded in some really bad stuff recently with Robert Kraft. And you go back to the Flategate, yet they get like a total pass from everybody. But, you know, stuff that happens 30 years ago with the Browns throwing bottles is still brought up on a, on a weekly basis, it seems well, like. Well, that I, wasn't 30 years that. ago. How many years ago was that? It wasn't 30. I was there. I think it was in 2002, 2003. I think it was the 2002 season. It, no, it was the year that we got. Uh, we went 10 and 6 and didn't make the playoffs. I'm almost positive. All I do know is I was at that game. It was against the Jaguars, and it sucked ass. <laughs> Excellent analysis there. So well, I've got some But no, the reason I bring that up. By you. When, well, when you're done, I got some interesting on, stats for you. So, I mean, the reason I bring that up is because we had the thing with uh, Antonio Brown and, you know, that was shrouded in mystery as to why the Patriots let him go. And we kind of know why, because there were the the allegations out there against Brown and they're still um, uh, unsubstantiated. You know, as far as I know, no actual proof has come out uh, against Brown. So you had that and they, they came out of that unscathed. And then just this week, you know, they put Josh Gordon on the IR and then there's then they released him. And I'm just sitting there. What the hell's going on? Do one, do they know something about Josh Gordon that we don't know? Or as Brown fan, Browns fans, we all know what the likelihood is. And, you know, again, speculation would be is that he had another relapse. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish the best for him, but we all know that we've been burnt by, you know, his trust in the past. But again, how all these things keep adding up, but nothing is held against the Patriots. And when is that axe going to fall on them? And why do teams like the Browns continually get crapped on? And when all we're trying to do as a fan base is support a team and, and hope to God they can win nine games. I mean, that we're not asking for much. Heck. Nine games would have been, you know, the greatest Christmas present in the world for the last five years. We would have been happy with five wins on average. I mean, but yeah, no, the only way that the the, the kind of script flips, I think, in New England is if they start losing at a much higher rate than what they've been accustomed to. So, in essence, you're saying winning cures all ills. It, it does in their aspect because of how dominant they've done it and and I hate to say it, they've done a lot of it really well. All teams have their blunders, but they've been really damn well run by Belichick. And while Brady is a system quarterback in these later years of his career, he's still a good one. And, you know, they're doing it the right way with excellent defense, good play scheming, and, you know, just players that know how to go out and execute their job. And that's so, it's as simple as that. Conversely, you have the Browns that – over the last 20 years have had this, I don't want to say tradition of losing, but we obviously haven't won on the same clip as the Patriots. So yeah. this is, in essence, this game is a microcosm of two organizations that have had two completely different two decades worth of football. I mean, this is 99. David versus Goliath in, in almost every well, sense of the word. I don't know if I would go that far, but you definitely look and see since 1999, 
these two organizations have been on two completely different paths. Obviously, we don't want to rehash it all, but you do know the Browns' struggles, obviously, as a Browns fan. But you also know mm-hmm. that since Tom Brady and uh, since Drew Bledsoe went down and Tom Brady infamously came in and never let up that job, mm-hmm. you know the, the, the Patriots have had this upward curve, whereas the Browns have had the identical yet opposite uh, downward curve. If you took two teams in the NFL – and so which two teams could be the least alike, these would be the two teams, yeah. the, the Patriots and the Browns. So I don't know if it's a David versus Goliath, but it's definitely a yin-yang kind of, you know, yeah, this is that point. Um, this is just uh, in past years, Brandon, I would say the Browns have no shot at this game. This weekend, because of the talent that we have, I think this team has a puncher's chance on talent alone to go in there, square up against them, punch them square in the face, and win this ball game. Because when it comes down to it, coaching only gets you so far. Granted, Bill Belichick will probably go down as the all-time greatest NFL coach. No reason coaching not only to gets you so far. He's putting up. Yeah, coaching only goes so far. Tom Brady as great as he is and as good of a season as he has, he's not Tom Brady of old. And I think that's his father time catching up a little bit and mm-hmm. watch. He's going to prove me wrong and he's going to go on to win MVP. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is I, I think, is this the game that our two paths cross again and we take the upward tick and the Patriots take the downward tick. Does that sound absurd or does this game have that kind of, could there that be that kind of revelation for the Browns and the outcome of this game? Oh, I mean, I think I think it's the Browns have a punching chance with absolutely anybody in the league. Not saying that they're going to be favored to win as they shouldn't be, but with talent as much as we have it, every position that we have, we absolutely have a punter's. You know, a, I just said a punter's choice. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, uh, the Scottish Hammer comes prepared. A puncher's chance, but I, I, I do I do see your point and. It'd be tough for the Browns to go anywhere but up from where they've been at as a franchise, you know, speaking, you know, decades. And it'd be tough for the Patriots to go anywhere but down from where they're at because it's 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 tough to just continue to win at the pace that they have. And it's been ridiculous that they've been able to do it for as long as they've been doing it. Let me read off a stat to you that Nathan Segura tweeted out that I found just absolutely baffling. All right. For the Patriots. New England is 41 at home, 41 and 0 at home against AFC teams when both Tom Brady and Julian Edelman are in the lineup. Guess what? Tom Brady and Julian Edelman are in the lineup this Sunday. Oh, and 97 wins to one loss when leading at halftime at Gillette Stadium all time. That to me is absolutely absurd. 97 to 1. They've in 100 essentially 100 games they have been leading at halftime. They have only lost one of those. How many games this season were the Browns winning at insane. halftime that we've lost? I mean, That's, even at home. Well, this I sh- mean, yeah. I mean, look at the Seahawks, Seahawks game. We were game. up, what, 20 to 6 uh, and lost that game. I mean, so and, and that that to me is all coaching and that's on Freddie. Uh, obviously there were no in-game adjustments made that game and, and the, the play calling was atrocious. We all, we rehashed that last week or the, whenever we had our last podcast. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it just kind of, yes, th- that's a stark contrast versus what we're used to seeing here in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I, there's, I have nothing for it. I mean, it's just, it's astounding what Bill and Tom and crew have done. And when you really truly look at it, they do it with a piecemeal type of, uh, you know, they, they just fill in anybody. Look, they just traded for Mohamed Sanu, and they're just going to put him in the lineup and watch. I guarantee he's going to be a, you know, a phenomenal piece to that offense. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is always a solid been a player. Receiver. He's yeah, he's always, always been, been a, a solid player. But now with someone like Tom Brady throwing to him, I mean, watch, he's gonna be an All Pro this year. I mean, it, it it's crazy how it's it's probably going to happen. You can kind of predict that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, and it's funny they're not even the Patriots. I'm I'm actually looking at Patriots.com right now, and there's an article about everything uh, looking into this week's game. And the funny thing is, is there's 
not a single word about our quarterback, Baker Mayfield. You know, you know who they are most worried about with the Patriots? Garrett. No. The, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy that I said was the best back in the 2018 draft. Senior the only, Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb. The only player they seem to be focused on is Nick Chubb. Um, you know, they, they basically said, you know, the explosive plays are coming from Nick Chubb, and if they can contain him, they got a better chance of winning this game, and you know, which is kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek kind yeah. of coming from Oh, stop uh, the run. Good things will happen. Great yeah, analysis. And, and, and they are actually, and again, this is from Patriots.com, so take it for what it's worth, yeah. but they're predicting a 31-10 to 10 Patriots win over the Browns. So, um, you know, that just goes to show me that the Browns have not earned any respect yet and that any hype that we have preseason is still hype. And again, it Landry it and OBJ and Chubb, and, and I am going to put Baker on notice here is that, you know, you guys haven't earned anything. Um, and as much as I am a staunch Baker Mayfield supporter, I'm not down on him. I wish he would be performing better. Right now, he is dead last statistically in almost every category for quarterbacks. Yeah, not good. I am a staunch supporter of his, and I think it's just the sophomore slump. And I'm hoping that this week, what we see, what we see, is the Baker of last year. I'm hoping he comes out, lights it up, and he can just shake off the first games and treat it as if it were our preseason because, quite frankly, as we discussed before, um, I think it was our preseason because none of these guys had played together enough, and I think that was a massive mistake by Freddie and crew on the coaching staff. Yeah, I, I, I kind of put this game for Baker Mayfield going – one of two ways. I don't see any any game where he just has like an average game, and you know you you leave the game saying like Baker didn't, you know Baker didn't kill us, Baker didn't you know win it for us. You know I I really I really don't think he's gonna have a middle of the road game. I think somehow he's either gonna go for gold and have an amazing game, one of those bounce back games you know that we've been hoping for over the last couple of weeks, or what I personally think and fear to be you know. A potential, a potential coming is he is going against the best defense in the NFL, against the best cornerback in the NFL, against the best secondary in the NFL, who has the best game plan in the NFL, and we are going against a good offense on the other side of the ball too. So if Baker is trailing, we already know Baker is a gunslinger and is very aggressive. If we get down early in this game. Who's to say Baker isn't just going to keep doing what he did against the Titans and literally just throw himself into a hundred interceptions and, you know, costly turnovers. Baker is going to keep throwing the ball no matter what the score is, no matter, you know, no matter what the situation is, we can't turn that button off on him. And that's why we love him so much when it works out well. It's also why we hate him when things go wrong. I could see this game, unfortunately, being really, really bad for Baker if he doesn't get out to a hot start and then the offense doesn't get out to a hot start. If we are trailing by two touchdowns early in this game, you know Baker's going to try to win this game and try to put it all on his shoulders. And when he does that, he overthrows receivers, there's miscommunications, there's yeah. a lot of interceptions, and that terrifies me against this defense, who although think- their stats are completely inflated by the worst schedule in the history of the NFL. I mean, this is ridiculous. They are still an incredible defense. I think what what this game is going to say to me, the biggest indicator in this game, or the biggest thing I'm going to take away from this game is the coaching. Um, I'm not, like I told you a little bit ago, I'm not worried about Baker. Um, I think this is going to be the biggest indictment on Freddie Kitchens as a head coach, if we do, do not come out and perform well, if we come out and lay an egg like we did against the Niners or the Titans, or you know if we fold like we did in the Seahawks in the second half of that game, after a bye week and after New England had a short week, if we don't see marked improvement top to bottom, that is a massive strike against Freddie Kitchens. As much as I like him personally and I'm as much as I love his character, I don't want a character. I want a football coach. No, I want Freddie. Wins. Yeah, Freddie, how well can you coach? You've been given a team with tremendous talent, a defense that is 
at this point just shy of championship caliber. And I know some people might laugh at that, but we have the pieces. They're just not functioning as one one unit just yet. Yeah. And the offense, look, when they said earlier in the season that they should be scoring 40 points a game, I, you look at it on paper, and yeah, you should be scoring paper, 40 points a game. we're like the greatest show on turf. On I know. It's it's. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to take away from this weekend. If we lose this game, look, I said after seven games it was a real possibility of us being two and five, and then our schedule lightens up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and I, I say lightens up a little bit. We still have the Bills are the, one of the surprise one teams. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the surprise teams of the year. It really doesn't lighten up. And then, look, as much as I ripped on Baltimore – I, you can't argue with results. They're winning. And even though Beat I'm Seahawks. still, I know. And even though I am still not impressed with Lamar Jackson, and I know detractors are going to say, oh, you're just a hater. No, I just, I, I, we've seen that before. Quarterbacks who rely on their legs and don't throw the ball have not been successful in this league long term. They have trend. Well, they, they, they have, they have, opportunities they have stretches you look at Mike Vick you know he yes he was phenomenal but Mike Vick really didn't become a phenomenal player until he learned to pass the ball in the NFL um you know it's just it's one of those things where I think until Lamar truly starts to learn how to be a quarterback will he get that respect across the league and and across the fan bases um so uh, yes, I uh, I underrank Baltimore, um, but look, our schedule doesn't lighten up. And and Brandon, I'm I'm a little worried. I'm just trying to be realistic here. If we go on to lose this game, we're two and five. Is Freddie going to be able to keep the locker room in one piece? I, I I'm starting to have my doubts now. Um, you know, you go two five, and you're going to play the Broncos uh, in Denver. Uh, that looks like a winnable game, but if Very you're going in there, game. I know, but if you're going in there at two and five, I, I gotta say this almost is to me and as absurd as it sounds, don't say this, it. Is a, this is almost a must win game. And if you don't win this game, you had better make it a game, meaning it better be a Tom Brady comeback of the ages kind of game, or you had a chance to win it with the last play of the game and just came up short. It's got to be that kind I, of game to instill in the fan though. base. I know, but I'd rather thing. lose by two touchdowns in a game where we're like, we played decent. They're a better oh, team. They no, were at home. No, than no, for me to no, get no. my freaking heart broken again, no, no. like the Seahawks game. No. I am so done with uh, that see, Sunday I, misery. See, like I the same feeling I had leaving Sunday watching the Rams at home. I poured my heart and soul into that game like I poured into every single game. At least during the 49ers game, I could be disgusted and just go on with my day and just be disgusted. I wasn't aching from pain. I ache uh, no, when see, we lose against the Seahawks the way we did. I ache when we lose the way we did against I, the Rams. I think I said that for week one. When we played the Titans, I said I, I I that was my feeling for week one. I said, hey, if we came in and played a good game and lost or, you know, I, I don't know. I what I'm saying, Brandon, is I don't agree with you here. I think there's only two outcomes that are going to be acceptable. You either win the damn game or you make this the best damn game that we've had all year, and there's marked improvement. I mean, I'm talking no turnovers from Baker. I'm talking, you know, one or two sacks from Miles, and the defense shuts down Tom Brady and keeps him contained, and the score is close. If this is a 49ers game or we lose by two scores, I look, Brandon, pardon the French here, but it's time to shit or get off the pot with the Browns. I mean, it, it just... That's where we're at with this team. There's no excuses anymore. Oh, I, and there shouldn't be. I'm talking for my own mental health here, man. I'm serious. This stuff is getting old. And to be honest, if we don't really elevate our game of play over the next couple of weeks, we're not making a playoff run anyways because we won't even smell the playoffs this year if we don't see marked improvement. So if we lose this game because we're actually just not that good of a team this year and we need another year of chemistry, wouldn't you rather kind of go out that way? 
I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that I know it ruins I, my day. It ruins my week when I leave. Yeah, but you're the thinking game on from Sundays. a fan. You're thinking from a fan standpoint. And Which is what I am. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, but the, the the team morale, the team chemistry needs a great performance here. And if we're going to build on anything, if we're going to use this game as a springboard, you can't lay an egg in this game. Look, I I do feel that we're going to be two and five after Sunday. And yeah, fine, light my Twitter up at Illustrator if you want to. But I I think I don't think we're going to win this game. I'm nice going to plug. watch it. I'm going to watch it intently. Um, but I, I am not even going to predict a score. I just, as long as they play a good game and lose respectfully, if there is such a thing, and Freddie shows some growth on the sideline, and Baker shows that he is capable of turning his career around. And I, and I don't want to say that that sounds, oh my, I, I hate even saying that the way I said it. <laughs> Uh, um, I'm hoping that he busts out of this sophomore slump. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the game Sunday. Let's go in with a positive attitude. The Browns can do this. I'm excited. You should be excited. We got a packed weekend for football. Ohio State, Wisconsin, three versus 13 at the shoe. Then we're going to Gillette Stadium on Sunday. Browns versus Patriots. Big weekend of football. I don't know about you, but there's Halloween parties going on this weekend. It's a fun time. We got football, basketball, World Series going on right now. This is the mega sports weekend. I am excited. I hope you are too. Yeah, I'm really excited, guys. And, uh, you know, so uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we really missed Drew, uh, wherever you are out there, somewhere out there. <laughs> Best <laughs> podcast ever. Best podcast ever. Uh, no, uh, I. I uh, no, it's been great, uh, Brandon, this week. And uh, everybody out there, if you want to follow uh, Brandon over on Twitter, he's uh, at good for the good brand. For the you can follow brand. good for the brand. You can follow me at, at Illustrator, I L L S T R 8 R. And um, make sure and, and, to check out the Uncle and the Young Bucks Twitter page at Uncle Young Bucks. Yeah, and you know what? Let, let's plug Drew. Uh, you can follow Drew and on Twitter as well at Cavs fan one player we really need to get him to change uh, that that is on that for a while that is probably one that of the was worst handles ever the fourth grade account that you made in the heat of the moment because you like the Cavs and you were probably <laughs> watching the Cavs game well oh uh, poor Drew he's not here to defend himself so make sure so, to give him a follow <laughs> yes so give him a follow guys we really appreciate listening this week and we will be back and hopefully i'm wrong and the browns will be three and four going into our next podcast instead of the abysmal two and five that's it i'm out later brandon good talking with you eric hey have a good week guys <laughs>